We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Draft Class. I'm Chris Persiainen, your host, as always. Excited to be here to bring you what is one of the final three episodes of draft class this is uh this is sad that we're thinking about the beginning of the end here but don't fret i have lined up uh one heck of a lineup of guests for these final three weeks so i hope you guys are as excited as i am for this episode and and for the future too before I let you guys hear this week's interview. I will mention, I just put out a full lottery mock draft version 2.0 on my Twitter. So that's out now linked under that. Of course, you will find version 1.0 as well as my most recent full lottery big board to go along with it. And uh, to go along with these final three episodes of draft class, you guys are going to get a full first round mock, a full first round big board and a Knicks plan of action for the draft complete with shortlists for the 11th pick, as well as shortlists for trade down candidates, depending on the range there. I'm really excited for you guys to get to see this content that I've been working on for y'all. And, uh, Really excited for you to go ahead and listen to this week's interview with Mark Berman, the New York Post beat reporter for the Knicks. You guys know I love talking to people with different perspectives. I love having people open up about their perspective, especially if it's different than mine. I was really excited to have the opportunity to to get Mark on the show. If some of you saw, I kind of embarrassingly publicly tweeted at him, "Hey, can you please follow me back because I want to DM you something." And uh, I got 
you know, got him to follow me back, throw him a DM. These are the, these are the things about being a 20 year old podcast host that y'all don't see. You gotta, I gotta be out here begging people for follow back so I can get them on my show. Um, but no, it's, it, <laughs> I love it. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I think that I'm really proud of this show and, and what it's become. I want you guys to be able to listen and walk away and say, I know more about the 2022 NBA draft than I did before that episode. I could hold my own in a conversation and a debate with my friends about some of these prospects because I've been presented with the pros and the cons of some of these guys and from different angles, all of it. So yeah, I'm really proud of what we've got going here, regardless of me needing to uh, shill on Twitter for <laughs> Twitter follows for my guests sometimes. But you guys know the drill, anything for y'all. Let's get right to this interview with the Mark Berman. I really, really hope you guys enjoy. I can't wait for you to listen. Joining me now on this week's episode of Draft Class is someone I'm quite excited to introduce here. We have Mark Berman on the show. You should all know well from his Twitter that he is the New York Post's representative on the Knicks beat. He is a Knicks Twitter all-star, even if he doesn't love that name. And someone who, no matter how many times Mitchell Robinson tells him to relax, I am always going to say is quite good at his job. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. How's your offseason been thus far? Uh, it's been good. Uh, listen, I wish the Knicks were in the playoffs. I mean, it's been over two months since the last regular season game. But, you know, the Knicks have been active. And, you know, one change uh, this year, for the first time since 2018, the Knicks have invited the beat writers down to the draft workouts. Not every single one of them, but uh, we've been to three. And we're going to be, I think next week, there's three more. And that's a change. And that's an opening up of the media policy. They have a new guy in Patrick Reese who is trying to be better than what they've been. And what they've been in the past couple of years during the pandemic has been uh, a very reclusive. And I'm so happy to be in Tarrytown. Uh, you know, and, and talking to the players, uh, talking to these prospects who are working out, even if they're second round picks. I mean, next week, you know, there'll be a couple of days of second round picks and I don't, we don't know their names yet, but uh, who's working out. But uh, I, I'm I'm delighted that the Knicks are opening it up. It's awesome to hear. And, and your excitement is just, I mean, we can tell from your draft profiles that you're enjoying getting to talk to these guys. You, you know, you put out the profile on Daniels where you spoke to his coach and then you actually get to talk to him. You know, it, it just must feel great. I totally, totally understand. Um, and those workouts, we'll, we'll get to those, but it's, it's interesting that I, I definitely noted that they allowed the media into those workouts. That is something that, uh, well, I always look at everything the Knicks do media related through the lens of they have a mastermind at the helm when it comes to media relations now and Leon Rose managing public image and relationships and things of the sort. So that's certainly an open, a welcome change and one that, you know, opens up the opportunity for, for more great reporting. I've started off every episode here on draft class though, with an opening segment that I, I lovingly call it the autopsy of, of the Knicks current young core. And I, I think it's really important to talk about, you know, before we get to who they could, should, would add to this young core, 
what they've already got and then where they stand on what they've got. So my first question for you um, comes in the form of a, a check in that I tend to separate our young core into two groups. There's the the quote unquote big three, very loosely used term of Barrett, Quickly, and Toppin. And then there's the other group, the, the Reddish, Grimes, McBride, and Sims group of, of all good players, but not maybe with the same flash that some of those first three names offer. And then, you know, the, the reports on the other end kind of back this up a bit. Like we know they're potentially willing to deal quickly in the right thing. But Brian Windhorst had reported last season that they didn't like any of the value that they were brought with uh, or brought that was brought to the table for someone like that. So would you say that this sorting of, you know, RJ, IQ and OB being their main pieces and then the other guys, would you say that that's accurate in, in regards to how the team views these guys as assets? Well, if you did the autopsy uh, with three weeks left in the regular season, that top group would be R.J. Barrett and OB and IQ would not be in there. They were not having great seasons, but when they got a big opportunity and OB was starting and Julius shut it down and IQ was getting more minutes, they really took off. It was a pleasure to watch. And the biggest thing, uh, was hearing from sources saying that Thibodeau has finally been won over by Obi Toppin because, you know, Thibodeau was his harshest critic. And, you know, he didn't feel that Obi was a good enough defender, rebounder. Uh, the three-point shot just wasn't falling. Yeah. But, but everything that happened in the final few weeks with Obi, it wasn't just that the three-point shot was falling and he was – great in the open court as usual, but it was the spirit he brought to his teammates when he was on the court. And Thibodeau finally could see, wow, this team plays with such heart and hustle when Obi's on the court, as opposed to the starting power forward who will remain nameless right now. And then IQ, again, I know rumblings in his camp, they were a little upset that IQ was getting sporadic minutes in the first half of the season and he couldn't get on track. And then he went, uh, well, he had a triple double. I mean, he had yep. games. I mean, he really looked like the the player he was as a rookie because he was going through a nice sophomore slump. So now you do got the big three. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to nitpick and say, well, it was the final few weeks and some teams were out of it and not really trying. And I, listen, and they played really, really, really well. Yeah, they showed what they showed. I'm not going to diminish what they did in the final few weeks of the season. And the other guys, listen, Thibodeau loved Grimes in the draft. He loved Miles in the draft. Uh, Jericho Sims at 58, a rotation player, it looks like. I mean, that's spectacular. Uh, I'm missing one name, Reddish, yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about Reddish right now. I know Tom doesn't like that's what he, I knew. He was That's certainly the Tom mystery box. Yes. So what I saw of him was a guy who was going to have a flashy play one out of four times down the court and then, you know, not do much in a consistent way. And then he got hurt. So right. Cam Reddish, I don't know. I know the Knicks scouts loved him in the draft and, and the Knicks scouts pushed for this trade. And I've reported and was the first to report that Tom did not want this trade to happen. 
Yeah, it, it seemed like it, especially with the follow-up reports that there was interest from Thibodeau and maybe parlaying that Reddish acquisition into recuperating their draft pick and winding up with someone like Goran Dragic. You know, just yeah. those reports that you put out, uh, you know, just covering kind of that reluctancy from Tibbs. It, it resulted in him entrusting Grimes with a rotation spot long-term. It's kind of the no, perfect but, twist. Right. But but I think that was one of the problems because Thibodeau really liked Grimes in the pre-draft workouts and in Chicago. So he pushed for Grimes. And then when they make the reddish trade, Tom is like, I don't have a we're losing Knox, who's not in the rotation. I'm not bumping Grimes for Cam Reddish. I don't care that Grimes is 25th in the draft and Reddish is eight or nine. I think it was nine to Atlanta. Right. So it, it was one of those stubborn. Listen, he is stubborn. And he has his opinions, and it's tough to make him budge. But he was not taking Grimes out for Cam Reddish. Absolutely. I wanted to follow up uh, in regards to you, you know, kind of opening up a bit about those inclinations from Thibodeau. He informed some sources that, hey, man, you know, I, I you mentioned on the, the Knicks Buzz podcast in April that Thibodeau had mentioned to some sources, hey, I uh, I could have played OB and quickly a little bit earlier. I do think that something that is overlooked in the discussions about that from the camp of fans that I'm certainly part of that was pushing all season for him to play those kids more is what he does for their development behind the scenes. You know, people have put out articles talking about the early group, you know, the young group and how many hours he puts in, which is what makes the concept of him not entrusting them with minutes, even more fascinating to me. Do you have uh, any more insight behind, you know, Thibodeau putting in all those hours with the young guys, but then when it comes to those in-game situations, just finding himself unable to trust them, you know, to the point where you reported the front office kind of had to tip their hand and have him play Jericho over Nerlens uh, to name an example. Well, putting in the hours, that's what Tom Thibodeau is. He puts in the hours on everything, whether it's watching the game film twice or three times or working with the young guys before practice. I mean, his life is basketball. He's married to basketball. As the expression goes, people, when they talk about Tom, he's married to basketball. He's never had a wife. And so this is his, his life uh, until he retires. So uh, you know, it's not surprising to me that he was working so hard with the young guys, but the tradition is that he doesn't trust them until he trusts them. And Obi just did not show enough in practices. You know, I, he was out of a position a lot on defense. And unfortunately, Thibodeau just could not embrace a Julius Obi 4-5 situation where really Randall would be the five and Obi would be the four because that would have opened up the minutes for Toppin. So if you're going to play more Toppin, you're just reducing Randall's minutes. Randall took him to the playoffs a year before that. He was still riding Randall hoping he'd turn it around, hoping he'd get that confidence back. And for a few weeks, starting on that West Coast trip, you know, Randall was unstoppable. That Sacramento so, game, especially. Yeah, right. Uh, and really, the whole I mean, he was scoring 25 to 30 a night. So it was tough to fit Obi and Randall and give Obi the proper minutes. And everyone wanted to reduce Randall's minutes. But, but Tom knows Randall's a sensitive guy. And you start benching Randall, who knows which way it's going to turn? So he was in a tough spot. But again, down the stretch of that season, Tom had an epiphany that Obi, forget about his own skill set, he makes others better. 
that infectious motor that I always shout him out for having. I, 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 just I love I have a thing for players that bring that energy to an extent that, you know, the the lightning bolts are spilling out the top and, and being caught by their teammates that they just, yeah. oh, hey, this guy's bringing it. I should, too. You know, that that's leading by example. And that's yeah. something that the, the Knicks kind of lacked this year um, from that same power forward spot. As you mentioned, uh, we saw a 21 year old R.J. Barrett step up as this team's leader in yeah. the locker room. It, it was an interesting year, but someone like Obi, I'm glad that at least Thibodeau sees now what, what he can do in terms of just the energy yeah, out there. You hit it on the head, leading by example. And the biggest issue with Julius was he didn't lead in the locker room with his voice and he didn't lead by example on the court. And his defense was sporadic, low energy. I've written a few times that, you know, he didn't come into training camp in the same amazing shape as he was that first year. And the other thing with Julius, and I'm surprised this didn't get more play, but on that West Coast trip, Julius stopped joining the team for the starting lineup introductions. It was bizarre. He was in the back stretching, and we did a story about it's his new routine, gets his blood pump pumping so he's not standing around. But it was very odd, and for all the road games from that West Coast trip on, that Julius was in the back while his teammates were being introduced to the crowd on the road. And, you know, they hug and they do all the high fives. And, yeah, and the, in the, the back special stretching. handshakes. I, I, listen, I, I talked to people off the record about it. Unfortunately, I was saving the question for Julius in the final week because I knew it would be a contentious potential you know, viral type situation. If he reacted in a bad way, right. saving it toward the end of the season. And sure enough, Julius in the final five games, shut it down, claiming uh, his quad. He wanted to rest. listen, we, we know what happened. I mean, he wasn't going to play hurt. The fans were booing him. They were cheering RJ. They were chanting RJ when Julius was at the free throw line. But anyway, I never got a chance to pin, pin down Julius on what was that about with those starting lineup introductions? Right. Yeah, no, definitely odd. Um, speaking about Toppin's electricity, though, just makes me want to get right to talking about another electric player, a, 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 a branch of Ivy that certain Nick fans want to potentially let grow in, in this here Madison Square Garden. There's been tons of chatter recently, especially in relation to the perceived trade up spots in Sacramento and Portland. And I've even thrown New Orleans out there as a team that I think is a little more interested in trading down than people might think uh, about the Knicks moving up to one of those picks. New York's new their war room, you know, I like to imagine it's just Brock Aller's brain hooked up to a projector and and the other guys start working with the numbers that he's got stored in there. You know, I have a lot of fun with this front office that I just love picturing all these funny scenarios. They seem to be obsessed with winning deals value-wise. And trading up in the draft is not really a situation where you're going to be winning value-wise. You had reported on November 18th, ahead of that 2020 draft, that they were dangling that 20 third pick as a potential sweetener to move up to number five from number eight to secure Obi Toppin as they were really high on him. Is there someone in this draft, you know, maybe their name rhymes with uh, Caden Divey, uh, yeah. who you think that the Knicks would have similar interest in when moving up. You've mentioned the CAA connection. Is that someone you could see them overpaying to move up for finally just lose a deal, but get their guy. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, 
Jaden is the apple of their eye in this draft. I heard about it, you know, a few months ago uh, that they really liked the kid. And, you know, he's that combo guard that makes everything uh, happen when, you know, he's get, he'll get in the lane. He's going to draw that double team and he's a smart enough player to kick it out to the shooters. They love that. They, they wish that RJ was better at that. Like RJ, yeah, he, he rolls into the lane and he's sometimes unstoppable, but when he gets doubled and triple teamed, he doesn't know what to do. He tries to fight through it and force a shot and he gets blocked or he misses wildly and it's a transition the other way. So th- that's the concern with RJ. And Tom would talk about that. It's like we need RJ to read the game better, uh, re- uh, make the rim read as his expression is. But Jaden Ivey is the player. They interviewed him in Chicago. So he's projected a top four pick to interview him in Chicago to waste one of your interview slots on a player that's out of your range by a lot. That shows that, you know, they have their radar on getting up there and with CAA probably wanting him in New York City. I mean, you're not going to make a bigger splash than winding up with the Knicks and filling their vacuum at point guard. I think that's what happened with Obi. We thought he'd go five. He's a CAA guy. Somehow he slipped to eight. I don't know how that happened, but he slipped to eight. Leon never had to make the trade. So we'll see if Leon could get up there. There's, I mean, overpaying. I know the fans would go crazy in angst if they traded quickly to move up the seven spots. But, I mean, if if the Knicks value Jaden Ivey as a future all-star, as a like pretty much a definite all-star down the road, then you do that trade. I mean, you, you, Emmanuel quickly is a very strong bench scorer. He's not a starting point guard for a winning basketball team. Yeah, maybe for a 10 seed playing team, but but the Knicks should be looking at getting a special player like Jaden Ivey. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about the sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I definitely think that um, there's an underrated intrigue to a quickly Ivy pairing, if it were possible, because we know Ivy is a he's seen as a two 
that's not a one, but it's kind of a one and quickly is a one that's kind of a two, but not right. So those two guys would work really well together the same way. I think people are saying, you know, say Ivy is able to fall to Indiana and and the Halliburton Ivy pairing would work really well because both of those guys are combo guards that kind of yin and yang each other's skill sets. Well, I think Ivy and his skill set, you're spot on would would, he would come here and and elevate the rest of the Knicks young core. He would come here and help RJ face less pressure because he'd be taking it he'd be tilting the defense and allowing RJ to drive but that improved free throw rate was fantastic. But if he could be driving to the rim at uh weak side rim protector, you know, the four and the, the five is already trying to stop Ivy on the other side of the, I mean, you're just looking at free points with <laughs> RJ's grown man body. And yeah. So I do think personally, I think Emmanuel quickly, it'll be situational, you know, to use a Thibodeau glossary term, uh, regardless of, you know, who's out, who else is on the bench, but in the starting lineup, if there's a jumbo initiator, I think quickly could certainly start going forward. I, I project him as someone who can be a starter or potentially more, but that's, I'm also just very high on him personally. Well, I would understand if the Knicks decision makers didn't show. Well, it's out. only because there's only a certain amount of players that have like legit trade value when you go to 11 to 4 that's a big jump so like i mean do you want to give up obi toppin when you uh are a little concerned about julius randall's mental stability right now no definitely not right so like what are the trade pieces yeah i mean you could give your dallas first round pick next year but it's going to be the you know the Mavericks should be solid next year it's going to be in the 20s that pick uh, maybe a 25th pick. So I, I don't know if Dallas's first round pick for next year is going to get you 11 to four. Right. It's not necessarily some golden egg that teams are fighting over. I do think though, and I've made this point on, on previous episodes of the show. So my listeners are familiar with this line of thinking that um, I would prefer to do draft picks and someone like Grimes than I would quickly. And just because I think that, regardless of what other teams think of quickly with my personal evaluation, it would be selling low. And if you can substitute that, of course they have a surplus in a first round picks, you know, say it would be 11, the Dallas pick Grimes and reddish to move up to seven. That could be a lot, but I would rather give that up than 11 quickly and McBride or something like that. I will say with reddish, there are some teams that consider him an asset and some teams couldn't care less about him. I mean, he's going into the final year of his contract and you still don't know what kind of player he is. So is Atlanta, Atlanta determined that a heavily protected first round pick and Kentucky star, you know, Calipari favorite Kevin Knox would be better than than him on the roster, which I think says something. He demanded a trade, but like, I think Reddish's trade value is not as high as it was when the Knicks made the trade in mid January. He got hurt. He didn't play that well when he uh, was healthy for the Knicks and, you know, team C like Thibodeau didn't trust him. So a lot of people, a lot of GMs in this league really trust Tom Thibodeau. And if Tom didn't think he was good enough for the main rotation, that says something. Yeah. I wanted to ask a similar question uh, in regards to Julius. I'm sure there are several teams out there as in 10 plus that probably want absolutely nothing to do with him. So I I can understand that. I also think that there's a world where a team like Portland might view him as 
a player to acquire and take a shot at with Damian Lillard. If they're really going to go try and contend out there, Dame on the wrong side of 30, they're running out of time to an extent, finally gave up on the McCollum pairing. Do you think that Randall can be utilized as positive value to help with the trade up with maybe with a team like Portland or even some of the other vets they have log jams with, you know, bringing back, both Burks and Fournier might be rough, but if you can deal one and bring back the other, you can sell that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Randall has a lot more trade value than Fournier. Uh, yeah, a team like Portland trying to get Lillard. I mean, Lillard was at the draft lottery sitting on the day, so he's buying into this remodeling. And to get a solid 20-point scorer like Randall, uh, I think would, would make Lillard happy. Listen, Playing in New York is very difficult uh, when you're the star and all the pressure is on you. And if you don't perform at a star level, you're going to hear it from the fans. You're going to especially hear it on this social media. Nick's Twitter is rough. And I know more than anyone because I get the brunt of a lot of it. But so Randall is very sensitive. Portland is a, a one team town. There's a lot of pressure there for the players, but, they're very supportive. They're not booing you at the, the former Rose Garden. I think it's called the Moda Center now. But yeah. you, you don't get the boos, and I don't think you get attacked on social media. The Blazers fans are very supportive. A little more uh, chill. Think, yeah, exactly. And I think I think Randall could use a change of scenery. Listen, maybe he has one more season to prove himself and get back to that star level. But I could see a trade to Portland being something that makes sense for both squads. Yeah, I think you're right to say that um, both Randall and New York could benefit from a change of scenery. You know, I maybe and you've reported that the team is very aware of the the social media reaction, the fan sentiment towards Randall that just maybe because of the pressure of New York that not sailed, but the ship is drifting. The ship is drifting off slowly and then it may be too late to save. Well, it's and I Randall took it personally that the fans suddenly RJ Barrett became the number one guy, the guy they were chanting his name again that night when Randall was having a good game and he went to the free throw line late and all of a sudden the fans to stick it to Randall. And this was after the thumbs down gesture, they started chanting RJ's name and that, that could have broken him. I'm telling you, Julius, is again sensitive and it, it, it was tough. And and I wish Julius and his wife would stay off social media. His wife, Kendra, loves uh, the social media, the Instagram, and she's gotten into it with me even once. I, I wish I wish a lot of Knicks players would, and we started asking them about it uh, late in the season because Thibodeau made it an issue. He said that the social media thing is can divide our team, right? Because fans are siding with one player over another, and it's not healthy. And I'm hoping next season that Tom tells these guys, I know they're adults, but he says, guys, you can go on social media, but don't pay attention to it. Don't let it affect you. My advice is to stay off it. I remember very well being at a game at the garden where one Mario Hazonia blocked LeBron James and reading your post game report about how coach David Fisdale 
took Kevin Knox over to LeBron and the, the advice that LeBron had for him was stay off social media. So this, this comes full circle for you, Mark. I, I remember that article exactly. And, and wow. being at that game and yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a point here in New York that even coaches like Fisdale have tried to hammer home with their young players. Well, funny think- you say that because uh, you think that LeBron and, and Fisdale had this great relationship and it didn't matter. Darvin Ham fired him right away. Yep. I'm no longer with it. Never, it never dawned on me. It's like, wow, Fisdale got fired and LeBron let it happen. But now- Darvin Ham was given full control of his coaching staff, unlike Tom Thibodeau. Now there's the rumor that that Dwayne Wade over in Utah might be campaigning for for Mr. Fisdale to to take a stop up there, which Nick fans are rooting for because their theory is that's what would finally force Donovan out of town, which I think is just golden. Um, but aside from that, I think uh, you mentioned it earlier. The obvious conversation to travel to next would be one surrounding the the three guys they brought in for workouts and allowed you guys to talk to in Daniels, Washington and Branham. I, I have a couple of quick questions. One uh, that I have a running theory that these are guys that they've kind of decided they don't love at 11 or uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, on SNY with uh just this morning, you mentioned that Ty Ty might be someone that they like in a trade down, you know, and instead of at there at 11, um, you know, with Dexter Henry on, on SNY, do you think that with the that, SNY New York post? Yeah. The, 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 the collaboration, <laughs> um, the, like the New York streetwear brands when they get together and do the, right. that's, that, this is my version of the, <laughs> those big collaborations this is what I enjoy. Do you think that that Ty Ty experience, uh, rem- reminds you a bit of, of William Wesley taking out Kyra Lewis to dinner and making a big thing out of that. And we found out, okay, maybe the Knicks were interested in trading back up for Kyra, but not at 11 where they're going to take him over top. And what, do you think this Knicks pre-draft process is more to change their perception with agents and players, maybe doing tie tie in Kentucky, a solid giving him a nice time, even though they know they're not picking him. I, do I have my tinfoil hat on or are these guys that they're allowing the media to talk to people that they've decided that they don't really love at 11? Uh, no, I think that I think tie tie, they don't love at 11. Uh, I, I think, I think Calipari hasn't banged the drum enough on Ty Ty. I got that sense, but I will say that Dice, uh, that Daniels and Branham are on the radar. The Wesley thing. Listen, the, the night. Listen, this is why Wesley's there. I mean, Wesley's not a scout. I mean, he's a schmoozer. He's the behind the scenes relationship guy. And even if you don't draft Branham or Dyson or Ty Ty, they met Wesley and down the road, there could be a trade scenario and, or a free agent. I mean, it's all about getting the Knicks to be in a favorable light with these new players coming into the league because the Knicks image, because of James Dolan really has taken a hit and Kevin Durant loves to, you know, stick it, uh, stick the needle in, to continually mention how what the Knicks aren't cool anymore. He Wesley's does love trying, it. Yeah. Wesley is trying to make the Knicks cool again. And so this, yeah, it was a little surprising that he took six guys out to dinner and I don't, Leon Rose was not there. It was just Wesley and the six prospects, but you know, that's uncle that's Wes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, they got a, they got a night out on the town with uncle right, Wes. Totally. And like, 
and and they saw the game. They they uh, they saw the finals game one, I believe, or game two. I can't remember. And uh, and then the anecdote from Tai Tai was, you know, Wesley ordered like everything on the menu and made us try it all. So it was a great experience for the kids. Almost a little Phil esque there. If he had ordered some octopus, <laughs> that would have that would have been good. You have an amazing memory. <laughs> everything. You are amazing. I have Every, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it. Everything about this team. I uh, man, I could I could tell you what shoes Quick was wearing on opening <laughs> night. <laughs> there are a couple other names I wanted to bring up. Just uh, just three more prospects before I let you go. I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. The first I'll bring up in a pair because I think they represent a different draft philosophy, but they're each a direction the Knicks could go in. There's Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. There's Tari Eason from LSU. Um, one, you know, a, more of a sure thing he's seen as, as in, in Davis and Eason more of a gamble, a bet. You're bringing a, a lottery ticket to the table and and hoping to cash in. There's also been some rumors. I've talked about them here on the show that Eason is not exactly killing his workouts with teams, that they're not walking away ridiculously impressed. But I, I make the counterpoint that he's not a one-on-one player. He's a guy who shows his skill, his defensive instincts in live action sets in making those deflections that only Cam Reddish really was able to make for the Knicks team this year. Those, Hey, my arms are twice as long as you thought. And right. that ball is mine now kind of play. Do you think that if the Knicks had both Davis and Eason on the board, that because of directionally how they've gone so far with Rose, you know, the combine scrimmage meaning a lot to them quickly, his combine shooting drills went well. Grimes combine shooting drills went well this year. They have Jalen Williams, you know, goes seven for eight from the field with coach Darren Urban as his head coach, you know, with guys like Davis uh, reminds me of Williams, a bit more of a sure thing. And then Eason a gamble, which direction do you think you could see them going in more? Do you think they think this is going to be their last time in the lottery and they should take a gamble? on someone like Eason. How do you feel about those two guys and how the Knicks might feel about them? Well, one of the issues with the Knicks is everyone has a different idea of what we should do in terms of win now or let's build something slowly. So Eason is more of the build slowly. That's another thing with Jalen Duran. We haven't written a lot about him. I'm told that I doubt the Knicks are going to take a project especially at that position, the center position. So Eason is more of a project. Davis looks ready to, you know, plug in and play. Good defender. He's supposed to be a better three-point shooter than his percentages at the combine. He told me that's not indicative of how I shoot the three. He was getting a lot of attention. But I think the Knicks are more after the sure thing with Thibodeau as their head coach right now. Uh, I, I think it will be Brock Aller who will say, hey, maybe we could trade down four notches and get Eason and get another early second round pick or something. And I love him for it. <laughs> right. But at 11, Eason is definitely a a, a, a stretch. Um, but yeah, it is interesting about the philosophies of, say, an Aller and a Thibodeau who, you know, it's been reported that they don't always see eye to eye on everything. The hinky uh, bit? That got yeah, reported well, right. yeah. might have been we had it in our my favorite by your own. Yeah, it was a great line that he calls him behind his back, Hinky. I never denied it, really. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I didn't think he would. <laughs> yeah, he kind of downplayed it when he was asked about it, but never quite fully 
emphatically denied it. The the Julius answer about Scott King and the laptop. Oh yeah, we're but we're friends, you know. <laughs> There's always yeah. a bench blow up that we never see. Yeah, um, just just behind yeah. the scenes. So yeah, Eason and uh, Davis on the board. I I gotta say that uh, yeah, I, I think they're going with a Wisconsin player on that one. You threw me a picture perfect Dwayne Wade to LeBron James alley oop with with what you mentioned in terms of the now and later, because there's one prospect, the guy I was saving for my final question for you here on draft class that I think is the perfect combination of now and later for the New York Knicks. And that is local product Stepanak's own. AJ Griffin. Now that's someone who wouldn't have any problems with the allegedly dreaded Tarrytown practice facility. I think he would be happy to spend time there. Do you think, first of all, that he falls to 11? And if he does, would New York be interested? We saw the photos of Thibodeau shaking his hand, shaking his father's hand, getting to meet them just in passing at the combine. And given that he's my personal favorite potential selection for them, if he makes it to 11, I was wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that picture was probably at the lottery. Uh, I know I was talking to the father and AJ for a little bit. Um, unfortunately, AJ decided to blow off his media availability the next day. Otherwise, we would have tried to interview him right then and there. But uh, yeah, so Tom knows the father pretty well. Uh, we were thinking that Griffin was, you know, not falling to 11, but now we're starting to wonder. Because, you know, you got Dyson Daniels, who has shot up the charts. And, I mean, it looks like Matherin and, and, and Jeremy so- Sohan could be going before 11. So right. the odd man out when you, you know, A.J. Griffin has not yet worked out for the Knicks. I believe, I don't know this for sure, but I have a feeling the Knicks did interview him in Chicago. I haven't reported it. It's just my gut feeling. That they, I know that I was told they did interview a few players that were out of their range, but Jaden was the one that, that I reported and confirmed. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it, it would be an interesting selection for the Knicks and someone that we haven't written a lot about, but maybe next week he'll be in town. I don't know that for a fact, but it's three workout days next week and uh, one big name. Right. And they haven't, they haven't let you know of the gotcha. second round. And yeah. So you guys they actually let us know the day before who the players are. And then we're sworn to secrecy that we can't tweet it until we actually arrive at the facility and talk to them. And then we're allowed to put it out. It's, no pressure to prepare your questions in under 24 hours, right? Mark? right. No, no right. pressure on you. Well, yeah, but the Knicks just, you know, the, the Knicks do things in an odd way, but uh, we're just grateful that after uh, several years of not being invited, we're back. Back in the building, back in that oh-so-infamous Tarrytown practice facility. Mark, I have to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and deal with my questions. I really appreciate it. Are there any articles, potentially your latest piece on Malachi Branham that you wanted to plug to my audience before you signed off? Uh, Yeah, well, uh, we did Malachi's... It's on the website now. We'll be in tomorrow's paper. And then my next newsletter drops tomorrow morning. And I'm not going to reveal exactly what the topic is, but it, it will, I think it will draw a little bit of uh, intrigue from Knicks fans, pro and con. So there will be a, a wide range of uh, uh, opinions about what it's going to be about. 
Well, you heard it here. Mark Berman plans on setting fire to Nick's Twitter <laughs> tomorrow. Maybe, I know. We'll, we'll see. I know you're excited for your mentions to blow up. I uh, always look forward to that. <laughs> you, I, I can only imagine, like, you must have like, a, a, a pillow cased box that you, you hit tweet and you just throw the phone in and step away. You know, it shakes around in there like a wild animal with all the <laughs> meshes going. Uh, I can't wait. And I thank you again for your work as always and, and for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. We are here in the draft class outro. I want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. Like maniacs, you're amazing. And and you are unreal for the support that you have given me thus far with this show. Uh, I was nervous to host my own podcast for real. Um, I was super nervous to have Mark Berman on today because this is a really big guest. I was super nervous to have Sam Bassini on. You know, guys like Chip and Schwinn and Stacy, I, I, those are my guys, and I feel comfortable just shooting the shit with them. But these big guests, you know, man, I, I still get nervous. So it's really cool to know I got the greatest family in the world, especially John, Andrew, Jeremy, and Ben behind my back. So I thank you guys too much, but it's, it can never be too much. I'm always very thankful for my Knicks family. And uh, with that, I will say thank you again for tuning in this week. Thank you again for the support as always. Make sure you stay tuned into the Nick Film School feeds, Twitter, social media in general, YouTube. Um, we're always coming out with new stuff. And we've got Jeremy on Capra No Cap and Cream. And we've got the Macri and Andrew pods coming out and Macri's interviews. Just stay plugged in, man, because we're killing this off season. And I want you guys to walk out of this, you know, knowing as much as you can. And I think we're doing a good job. So I'm going to plug that shamelessly. And I'm going to say, stay tuned for next week's episode of draft class episode 10 you know finally the draft is june 23rd so we're, we're coming up on it stay tuned into draft class for these final two episodes i'm excited for y'all to hear them thank you again and peace out